This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Swing and a looper in the left center field. This is going to get down for a base hit. Here comes Phillips, he will score the tying run. In the third goes a Rose Arena. It's an 8-8 to game, and the Rays have the winning run 90 feet away. Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week, take a look around Major League Baseball, and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game. First pitch to him. Line back up the middle, but there is Franco. To the left of the bag, he turns and throws him out, and the Rays have won it in Atlanta. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Hi, everybody. Welcome to our latest show. Today, we'll sit down with reliever J.P. Feyreisen and discuss his fantastic start. Mark Topkin will join us from Baltimore. We'll chat with minor leaguer Jonathan Aranda. Plus, we'll visit with biomechanist Dr. Jillian Hawkins and continue to remember Gene Ramirez with team massage therapist Ray Allen during this Mental Health Awareness Month. We continue on This Week in Race Baseball, and our featured guest this week is throwing extremely well out of the bullpen, and that's J.P. Fireisen. J.P., thanks for a few minutes. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Neil. We are just a year since you came over here. Tell us what you remember when you heard you were traded to Tampa Bay. Well, it kind of came to a shock because uh, just kind of where the time in the year it was. Um, you know, normally trade deadlines when you're getting swapped or, or at the end of the year, um, for me at least in the minor leagues, that's when I was traded one other time. But, uh, you know, it, at first it came to a shock, and then uh, getting to talk to guys that had played here said that you're going to love it. Uh, it's awesome. The atmosphere there is the, the most fun you've ever had in baseball. And once I got over here and realized what I what I got traded to, it was pretty pretty awesome, and I'm very much so enjoying the trade now. So has it lived up to the hype, gone above the hype? What's your feel? I would say it's gone above the hype. I mean, uh, this team's like a, a band of brothers, and, I mean, we have a ton of fun playing baseball, and, and uh, you know, it's just uh, going out and playing between the lines with some friends and, and enjoying it. And certainly guys are allowed to kind of be themselves and have their own personality. Since we're on that, the mustache, what was the inspiration? Uh, I just figured, so I did the mustache for a short period during the 2020 season, and then this year it was just like, ah, you know what, I think I'm going to do a mustache. Um, I've done the beard, goatee, just kind of everything and I the mustache and I think when people started telling me it looked terrible is what made me want to even wear it more so now I'm now it's just gonna stick for the year has mom warmed up to it yet yeah mom's warmed up to it um she's she's been okay with it uh I've had the mustache before um so she's seen it before but uh my grandma actually really likes the mustache because she can see my dimples still on my on my smile so that's the that's the main person we got to keep happy as long as grandma's happy then 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 we're all good there you go. Is there an inspiration for it? Do you have a favorite mustache, whether it's sports, music, entertainment? I would say, my, my, I mean, my favorite favorite mustache is uh, Tom Selleck. I mean, he's got uh, an elite, elite mustache. Yeah, otherwise, uh, I'm trying to think of the actor's name. I can't, but he's got, uh, 
he's got a big mustache too he's on the show the ranch and he's the dad in it but he's got a great mustache too i'm trying to think of the actor's name but i can't because i i think of you know the ron burgundy character oh, yeah. too oh, yeah. does that rank in there or where does that go yeah. with tom Selleck? Yeah. tom Selleck's an old reference by oh, the yeah. way for you to know yeah oh yeah definitely uh, uh ron burgundy is a good uh, a great mustache too yeah his was i feel like that was more for the part but i feel like tom Selleck just rocks the mustache constantly there's one other mustache right now in baseball that you could rival, Nestor Cortez. Obviously, he's getting a lot of attention. Who's better, yours or his, and why? Oh, man, Nestor. You know, it's funny because Nestor and I played a lot together in the minor leagues. We were in uh, Scranton and uh, Trenton quite a bit together. So I would say I would say my mustache is a little bit better than his. I'm, I'm, and I hope he hears this, too. <laughs> Just a little better. You're you're going to get to see him soon enough, I'm sure. So tell me, uh, since you know him, are you, you guys are both kind of underdog guys that have achieved. Are you very similar? What was he like? Yeah, I mean, so we actually had a joke in our clubhouse that he's the luckiest Cuban ever, is what we call him, because whenever we did any any sort of like, you know, just something that involves like certain luck, cards, whatever, like he always had good cards. He always had good like bounces or whatever, like, playing golf with him he'd hit it off a tree and it'd land in the middle of the fairway like so we just called him the luckiest cuban ever because um his dad actually won the cuban lottery which was to become an american citizen so like that's it just stemmed from that basically so yeah and nestor's great uh he's still a good friend of mine and it, it, he's fun to play with i'm sure it's great to see both you guys having the success that you're having drew rasmussen said a lot of the reason that he adjusted to coming over so quickly in a trade was you helping him having been through a trade how much do you think it helped him and how much did it help you just have him along with you yeah i mean anytime that you get traded with with a friend and a teammate i mean he and i were catch partners in milwaukee and basically i, I had already been through two trades before and my first one i actually went with one of my good friends from the indians um or guardians now um ben heller and he was and just like having somebody that you're close with that you know well and getting traded to a whole new team uh, definitely helps. I know that Rass went to Durham for the short time, but just telling him like, hey, it's not a big deal. The team takes care of the majority of the things to get you positioned so that you're comfortable. And then obviously when he got up here and then started starting for us and now what he's done so far for a starter, I mean, I think he's fit in pretty well. Comfort wise, I think it's been good for him. Yeah, I would say so, too. And you mentioned this group is like a band of brothers. What's the bullpen group like? Because Kit said you're the life of the party down there. I, I, I think our bullpen's great. I think I, maybe I'm life of the party as far as energy-wise, but like between Jason Adam, which we call two names, and then Kittredge and their dad jokes that they have and, and trying to put puns into things, I think that our entire bullpen is hilarious. I mean, we sit down there and, you know, you try and – focus on the game but you're also trying to stay loose and relaxed for because if you're staying too locked in it kind of makes the game lengthy when you're just trying to and you're not involved in it so I think we stay pretty loose with with everyone on our team and and uh I mean we have some good comedians down there so it's 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 fun well, you told me Jason Adam and Kit bring the dad jokes what does what does JP Fire Eisen bring to the table down there uh, I mean anything jokes or or just like stupid stuff i don't know stupid stretches stupid dances i don't know i'm just kind of i'm just bring energy to the to the bullpen to keep things loose i guess who is the quiet guy that you're not that doesn't get the attention but probably needs to get more attention because you drew attention to the dads here i would say beaks and poche are both 
very funny, but neither one of them really talk a whole lot. They just kind of chuckle in the background. But when they have something, it it it, uh, it it brings some life to the bullpen. Well, you guys certainly as a group have not only had fun together, but you're performing well together. How much does this environment help, do you think, in allowing guys to perform? I think it – I mean, just knowing that – our, our staff has full confidence in, in everybody in the bullpen to come in and, at any situation and get outs makes it uh, easier to succeed. I know that teams have closers and set up guys, but we just basically have all high leverage guys. We don't have a guy that is consistently throwing that. I mean, obviously Kit's starting to get some more saves now, but other guys are still throwing in big situations. I mean, Jason Adam just got his first save of his career at, I think he said age 30. I think he's 30, he said. He's like, just the way I dreamed it up age 30 getting my first big league save so um but like yeah i think that just allows us all to succeed because uh everyone has confidence in us getting outs you, you know you mentioned the family of this group and this is mental health awareness month and you guys have been you know recognizing gene during the course of the month i did want to find out what he meant to you and what he what it's meant to see him honored the way you guys have during this yeah. month yeah i mean uh gene was or gene was a phenomenal teammate um yeah it's it's uh it was tough this off season hearing that, and it's it's it was tough not being able to be here for basically his funeral and and everything because uh, how great of a teammate he was. I mean, and now we have Charlie and Mish, and and they're both like brothers to our whole bullpen, and that's that's what I think makes it tough. And um, just like he was just an awesome person, whether it was what, whatever you needed. I mean, some guys would get their cleats or shoes personalized by him, and and and. Uh, but just sitting down and talking with how nice of a guy he was and, and uh, enjoyable he was to be around, it, it made it tough for, for all of us. And, um, I mean, with, with putting his jersey out, it's still like every game you see that jersey and you just kind of you miss him a little bit every game. How much have you appreciated what the Rays have done and how much have you um, – has it drawn your group closer together too? Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, – what the Rays have done um, in honoring him and, and putting his uh, his number out on the on the outfield fence and everything it, it's it's been great and I mean it's always tough because you just don't know how much you can do to, to honor them and and it was it was nice to get in, to meet his family and everything but yeah I just uh, miss him miss him a lot for sure. You know, I looked at your numbers before the trade last year, and you were probably pitching similarly well um, in terms of the numbers. Is there anything that the Rays changed when you came over in terms of sequencing, in terms of your stuff? Um, because you're obviously throwing the ball great this year, too. Yeah, I mean, the, the main thing was to try to get me throw throw more strikes. I mean, I that, that was kind of my uh, negative MO last year is I walked a lot of guys, and, and I think that uh, Snides' main thing this year with me was to – try and throw more strikes and attack guys early in counts and not get myself into worse counts or giving hitters an opportunity to, to be comfortable in the box. And um, and then spring training, just working on like minor adjustments with arm slots and arm angles with my off-speed pitches. So that's pretty much it, yeah. Is strikes more mental or more physical? Honestly, I think at first it was uh, more mental. At, or I, I mean, I, I should say it is more mental, just basically knowing like, Hey, that first pitch, like if they're swinging, like just know that your stuff's good enough to get them out, or they're gonna not do damage with that first pitch. And I think that's one thing that you got to get through is uh, just knowing that guys that like to swing first. I mean, we just played a team that with the Blue Jays that like to swing first pitch a lot, and uh, just knowing like if I get that first one over, like I have control of the AB basically. 
And you certainly have done that a lot so far this year. You know, you mentioned the support you have with the staff, the support with the bullpen. Your mom's pretty supportive, too. What has she meant to this, to you? And I know she's real supportive of the team on Twitter. She's pretty active. Yeah, I, my mom and sister are both very active on, on uh, social media. Um, I think that uh, they're kind of like protectors on social media for, for the team. I know that they, they love everyone on our team, and especially the people that they've gotten to meet. Uh, my mom even past teammates make sure that if people are being mean on social media she lets them know that this isn't the way you should be on social media and and uh I appreciate that I, I sometimes I tell her hey try and avoid these people because they're not even real they're bo- they're bots or something like that but uh I love that the way she protects um not only me and my, and my teammates but former teammates too from a social media standpoint, is your mustache big enough to have its own social media account yet? And and would you want one at some point? Uh, I don't think it's big enough to to have its own social media account. That uh, that'd be I feel like that'd be kind of ridiculous. It would be humorous yeah. though. It would be it would be funny. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it'd be funny if if uh, a fan was very comical and was able to run it. Uh, then I think it would be good. But as long as they don't say anything negative, uh, that's that's the only thing with those. Uh, like side burner accounts, like the negativity stuff just doesn't need to be said. Well, you can take over and set it up this way. This yeah. No one can steal it from you. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Again, we're chatting with J.P. Fireisen. Since you are in Tampa Bay, though, I am curious, as you're a Wisconsin guy, you grew up on the Packers. Have you learned to appreciate Tom Brady being in Tampa Bay, and how difficult is that, if so, as a Packers fan? I'm okay with Tom Brady. I mean, he's the best quarterback of all time, um, and I don't think there's an argument for it. So it's it's fun to – fun to watch him play and get to see basically history every time he steps on the field because of how talented he is but uh I'm never going to be a, a Buccaneers fan I'm a true diehard uh, Packer fan I can cheer for the Lightning now uh Minnesota Wild are my normal normally my hockey team but uh they're out of the playoffs now so I can I can root for the Lightning uh fully through it were you more a hockey guy or a football guy growing up in Wisconsin and uh, what kind of player were you in either sport I was a I was a football guy Hockey, hockey was an expensive sport, and so mom and dad were like, ah, we're going to steer clear of that with all the pads, sticks, gloves, everything. They're like, uh, you can go play football in the backyard with a, just a football. So uh, I played corner in high school, and then, uh, yeah, I was, I, but I, I love watching hockey. I think hockey is the best sport to watch live, in my opinion. It is a pretty impressive sport to watch live. And what kind of football player were you compared to your baseball game? I mean, I basically played like a – a corner slash safety I mean basically I mean I, I'd like to hit guys it was fun to hit guys but uh obviously garden wide receivers that would just run routes um I would say I was as much of a lockdown corner as you can get in high school <laughs> well you've been a lockdown reliever so far here and we certainly appreciate some time and hope you continue to be that way for a long time to come thanks very much for being with us on this week in race baseball yeah thanks Neil thanks for having me on J.P. FireEyes and joining us, and we'll continue in just a moment. You're listening to the Rays Baseball Network. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome back to This Week in Rays Baseball. I'm Neil Solons, now joined from Baltimore by Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times. Topper, thanks very much for joining us. This has been quite a week, and actually you could probably say quite a 24 hours with the injuries the Rays have had to deal with. 
Yeah, there's been a lot going on, Neil. And, um, you know, it sounds like they have a couple guys getting better, but obviously the news today that Andrew Kittredge went on the injured list is probably the biggest or the, the headline attraction, I guess we'd say, of that list. What did uh, what did Kevin Cash say about the injury? Is this something where if they give him the 15 days, they think this will be a minimal stay? What what are they thinking at this point? Yeah, that's what, what Cash said. Is they hope that the shutdown is what helps. That Kittredge went and uh, threw off, tried to throw off the mound today in the bullpen. didn't go too well. So put him on the injured list, shut him down. You know, they're three days in or four days in. He hasn't pitched what since Monday. So Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, a few days ahead start on that uh, and shut him down. They hope that's going to help. But it also sounds like they're not exactly sure if, if rest is going to do it or not. So this may be one of those where they have to kind of reevaluate part of the way through. Um, you know, they, they obviously have had a bunch of reliever injuries, but they've also had some pretty impressive depth. And, and now we'll see Dustin Knight for the second time. Uh, made a quick stop with the Rays order this year and has put together some really impressive numbers at Durham in the, in the interim. And we're going to touch on some of that depth in a minute, but if you think about it, Mark, this week really began with the injuries to Brandon Lau and Manuel Margot. So just in this week alone, Lau, Margot, and Kittredge is a lot for any team, yet this group is still eight games above five hundred. That was just this week, Neil? Really? It really has been a long week when you, you think of it in those terms. Um and, you know, Wander Franco out of the lineup again today. Yanni Diaz out of the lineup today. So you are you are taking quite a bit uh, away from the Rays at this point. They hope to get through this weekend. You know, they certainly would like to be as close to full strength as possible next week when the Yankees come in for that four-game series at the Trop. So they're kind of managing their way through this um, since we brought those guys up. Wander is available off the bench today. Talked to him a little bit ago. He said he is feeling better. He hopes to get back in the lineup soon. I, I think unless it really was a game a defining situation today that he won't play even though he's available and they'll give him the benefit of the extra day's rest with the team off tomorrow. Yanni Diaz hadn't tested the shoulder yet with a full swing, so Cash wasn't sure if he'd be available to hit if needed or not today. Uh, I think they're hoping neither guy ends up on the IL, but I, I don't know that it's fully been uh, cleared at this point either. Uh, and then on the plus side, Manuel Margot uh, did well again, ran the bases today here in Baltimore, did well. He's going to play in Port Charlotte on Monday and Tuesday, and if that goes well, he could be activated uh, Wednesday against the Marlins or certainly by Thursday for the opener against the Yankees. So there's, there's one positive in there, and then take a deep breath. One more injury here. Another pitcher was J.T. Chargois in his rehab assignment the other day. He got warmed up on the mound after the first pitch. He has actually restrained the oblique, and he's going to be out for an extended period of time, probably at least a couple months, if not more. Yes, and he's been moved to the 60-day IL to make room for Dustin Knight. You think about it, Mark, as the Rays get set for the Yankees, and the Yankees, I think, have had one significant injury, and it was this weekend in Chad Green. Patino Boz in the starting rotation, plus at one point Yarbrough, Lau, Margot, and now dealing with Franco and Diaz, uh, plus Kittredge, Fairbanks, and Chagua out of the bullpen. If the Yankees had those kind of injuries, they wouldn't be close to 24-16, and 16, let alone 29-10 right now, would they? Yeah, I mean, look, it, it, we, we've all been around this game now long enough that you, you know how the injuries tend to even out over the course of a season. It, it's rare for a team to get through you know, a full six months and not lose some key guys to injuries. Sometimes it's a matter of who your depth is. Sometimes it's a matter of if you catch a break and the injuries are short-term. Uh, the Rays have certainly had a fair amount. Now just look at that. We run the injury list in the Tampa Bay Times every couple of days, and it's almost taken up a full column by itself right now, and it, it'll grow with pitchers going on there. So, uh, will, will the Yankees sustain some injuries at some point this season? You certainly would think so. Will that slow them down? You would think so. On the other hand, you know, if it's a serious injury, they've got the resources to go out and maybe 
go get a bigger name guy to replace someone who gets hurt. So that's all part of the, the process of competing in the American League East. The Rays learned that many years ago that you know they may not have the 10 best players, but they want to have the 40 or 50 best players so that they can beat teams with their depth when it comes into play, which it certainly has early on here. And one of those guys you featured in the Tampa Bay Times today, and that's J.P. Fireisen. We had him on our show as well. What stood out to you as you got to chat with J.P. and his teammates about him? Just kind of his, his low-key sense of humor, very much a Midwestern type of humor. I went to college in the Midwest at Drake in Des Moines, Iowa, so you know, just kind of being around some, some down-to-earth Midwestern people. He still has a little bit of his Wisconsin accent when he talks, and uh, you know, just the fact that he's got guys in the clubhouse wearing Fire Eyes and Flooring uh, Incorporated T-shirts mm-hmm. from his dad's business in River Falls, Wisconsin. I don't think a lot of guys in the clubhouse are going to need flooring done on their, like, summer homes in Wisconsin or anything. But uh, just that kind of sense. And um, he, he's a uh, potster is the polite way to put it, but he's the guy that one day he'll throw a jab. Like, I remember one of the days he was going to open this year and somebody asked him if going to change his routine. He goes, not, not, I don't need to do anything different. I mean, I'm probably lucky to get two up like some of our own starters and, you know, just joking around with the guys, throwing a jab when he has to, throwing something out there to get guys laughing. Uh, he'll sometimes set the agenda. Those guys have both been talking about anything and everything, current events, TV shows, music, uh, Dave and Andy's latest funny lines, if they ever had them. So whatever it is, you know, I, I think he's like to kind of set the tone out there. And all oh, by the way, he's also pitched incredibly well. He has. He has. He's been one of the better relievers in the sport, let alone for the race so far this year. And again, depth has been tested and he's willing to take on any role, which is something you revisited in the Times today. It's the anniversary weekend of the opener, or at least when it was hatched, we think. Yeah, um, we heard that you got the opener a cake. Was that true? Was that the right info? Because it is the fourth <laughs> birthday for the opener a few days ago. And uh, it was funny hearing Kevin Cash uh, retell the story. I, I want to keep you on the air, so I won't quote him directly, but he said, yeah, they were here in Baltimore in 18. They'd been talking about it, and they were on a trip that took them to Kansas City and then to Anaheim. And he said, uh, Sergio Romo walked by him before one of the games here in Baltimore, and he said, hey, you want to start? And he said, Romo said, uh, in more colorful terms, heck yeah. And that was kind of the origin of it, the official origin of it. Now, obviously, this has been talked about for many years. Stu Sternberg, when he bought the team, Andrew Friedman brought in as the initial general manager, executive vice president. They were talking about it way back then in you know, the 05, 06 period of time of how do you redistribute innings, how do you put pitchers in better positions to maximize what they can do well. And, and part of that was kind of a, a, a time shift of moving around when guys pitched in games. And uh, it obviously worked. It was officially born on May 19, 2018, four-year birthday the other day. The Rays record is pretty impressive with it. Uh, it's made a lot of pitchers a lot of money, and, and I think you know it's become so common. I think almost every team in baseball has either used it or at least considered using it, which is probably the ultimate nope. compliment. No question. we got about a minute, Mark. This is a, a bigger week coming up, too. Kind of a test to see where you are since you got the Yankees, what, two series in about a 10-day period. Yeah, and you know the, the team the Rays haven't seen, and you think about it just because of the way the spring training schedule was seen, they haven't seen them since last year. So it'll be a little bit of a feeling out process. Of we won't, you know, we will make judgments based on the four games that drop this week. I think there's some big crowds coming. It should be a exciting atmosphere. It won't really mean anything except that they're going to play what 15 more times after that. But it will be a good measuring stick. It'll be interesting to see uh, how both teams do. Mark, good stuff. We appreciate it. I hope people are going to read it in the Tampa Bay Times today, and obviously they can catch everything online as well. Thanks for coming on this week in race baseball. Anytime, Neil. Always a treat. That is Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times joining us on this Sunday. Now, why don't we pause for station identification? You're listening to the Rays Baseball Network. 
WDAE St. Petersburg, W237CW Pinellas Park, WBTP HD3 Clearwater, W224BE Brandon, and iHeart Radio Station. Well, time to take a look at things on the minor league side. And with me, Jonathan Aranda with Lenore Sutton Translating. Jonathan, thanks so much for the time. Jonathan, gracias por el tiempo. Oh, muchas gracias a ustedes. De, de, muy contento de poder estar aquí compartiendo. He said, thanks for having me. He's really happy and excited to be here. I'm spending some time with you. Yeah, and me too. Yo también. You are playing very well. What did you think of your first month in AAA? ¿Estás jugando bien? ¿Qué piensas de tu primer mes? En AAA. Bueno, ahorita me siento muy contento, ¿no? Muy, muy a gusto. Eh, empezamos la temporada un poco, un poco lento, pero nos pudimos recuperar. Eh, la parte mental eh, pues me ayudó a, a poder recuperar eso que, que había perdido al principio. Um, he said it's good. He's doing well. Um, you know, it's been a slow, slow start, slow adjustment, but um, he's adjusting to the, the mental part of it. What is the biggest difference in AAA? ¿Qué es la diferencia en triple A, mejor picheo, mejor control, ¿qué? Bueno, pues ya me, nos encontramos con muchos pitches de experiencia en grandes ligas y yo creo que eso es algo que, que estamos viendo por primera vez en mi carrera muy a diario, entonces, pero sí nos hemos podido ajustar, pero yo creo que esa es la, la pequeña diferencia que, pues que tiene el triple A, ¿no? que, que me encuentro con pitches de un poco más experiencia. So he's saying this is the first time that he's seeing, um, you know, pitchers with big league experience. And that's probably the biggest difference, um, you know, being in AAA is that, you know, he's seeing this for the first time. And what do you like so far? ¿Qué te gusta hasta ahora? Tu approach, defensa, mentalidad, ¿qué? Bueno, la, la mentalidad siempre es lo que me ha favorecido. La, la, he sabido trabajar muy bien a través de los años. Y yo creo que siempre la parte mental es lo que me ayuda porque... Pues unos días venimos bien, unos días venimos mal, pero siempre enfocados en lo que queremos y eso es lo que nos ayuda a mantenernos muy bien. This is the mental part. Um, sometimes there are good days, sometimes there are bad days, but you know, maintaining, um, you know, that uh, uh, you know, strong mental ability is what helps you to get through all of those days. And on the field, what are your strengths? ¿Cuáles son tus puntos fuertes? Bueno, eh, lo que yo me considero en el bateo un, un, este, un bateador de contacto bateador de contacto que, que sabe pelear los turnos y con un poder ocasional, poder ocasional este, y en la defensa, bueno, en la defensa pues me he sentido muy cómodo en las esquinas, las hemos trabajado pues, muy bien a, a lo que va a lo, a lo largo de la, de la temporada. So he's considered a, a you know good contact hitter and he said as far as his, def, uh, his defense, he's making an adjustment at first and at third. You are from Mexico. Did you always want to play baseball? Eres de México. Siempre quisiste jugar al baseball? Ah, cuando estaba chico, jugaba básquetbol y soccer, al igual que el béisbol. Pero pues siempre mi, pues lo que más me gustó era hacer el béisbol. Y pues cuando se dio la oportunidad de de poder hacer algo en el béisbol y luchar por ello, pues me dieron la oportunidad de hacerlo y pues aquí estamos. Gracias a Dios. So he grew up, um, he grew up playing a lot of sports. He played basketball and he played soccer. Baseball was his first love. And thankfully he had the opportunity to continue to play. And so that's where he developed most of his skills was in baseball. So who were your favorite baseball players when you were a child? ¿Quiénes eran tus jugadores favoritos en baseball cuando eras niño? Bueno, yo siempre crecí con Alex Rodriguez. Rod siempre mi jugador favorito. So his favorite baseball player was Alex Rodriguez, A-Rod. 
Okay. And who in your family played baseball? And tell me more about your story. Quien en tu familia jugó baseball? Y dime tu historia. Sí, pues yo tengo un primo que jugó baseball en México, profesional como pitcher. Entonces ahí mi papá lo entrenaba con él mucho. Y pues gracias a él, nosotros, yo empecé a jugar baseball porque íbamos a ver sus juegos. Y de ahí crecimos viéndolo a él. Y así fue como nos so he he's saying that uh he had a cousin who played baseball and they used to or his cousin was a pitcher um dad uh proceeded to to train him to coach him and he grew up he grew up watching baseball and you know all through he was being coached and so he learned from from watching and being there and how did you sign with the Rays? come from mass day con los Rays. Bueno, eh, antes de México era, eh, tenía que firmar primero, primeramente con un equipo mexicano profesional y ya ellos te, te vendían a, a las sucursales, a las organizaciones de grandes ligas a través de, de una visoría. Entonces, yo en el 2014 firmé con, con Toros de Tijuana en México y ellos eh, me ofrecieron, yo creo que tuve unas tres o cuatro visorías so um, back uh, back then you had to play professionally with a Mexican team, and so um, he did. He signed with a professional Mexican team, um, and he was playing in Tijuana, which is where the Rays saw him and signed him. And back to this year, who has helped you this year? ¿Qué te ha ayudado este año y cómo? Bueno, este año me ha ayudado mucho. Pues la motivación que siempre hemos traído, ¿no? De, a través de los años de, de llegar a grandes ligas. Eh, ahora metidos en, en un roster de 40, yo creo que es una motivación muy grande. Porque estamos a un pequeño paso de, de poder lograrlo, pero pues nunca perder el enfoque en lo que queríamos. Siempre, siempre seguir trabajando. Y bueno, la, la mentalidad siempre es lo que me ayuda. Una mentalidad fuerte, porque pues esto es, como lo dije hace un poco, de días buenos y días malos. Entonces... Um, so he is saying that for him, I mean, motivation is everything. Um, the motivation that he had was, you know, being signed to the 40-man roster. You know, it's a, it's kind of, you know, the elite players. And so um, that, you know, kind of kept him working and uh, his mentality also, the mentality of, you know, working through the good days and the bad days. There are good days and bad days and you just keep working through. And how about with the Durham Bulls? Who has helped you? Con los... Con los uh... Toros de Durham, ¿quién te ha ayudado este este año, esta temporada? Bueno, yo me, me gusta guiarme mucho con los coaches. Eh, aquí tengo el manager a Brady, pues de bateo Will y, y otro coach Reinaldo Ruiz. Me, me guío mucho con ellos, tomo sus consejos. Brady me ayuda mucho en la defensa, Will en, en el bateo y, y siempre tomando esas pequeñas cosas que esos detalles que ellos ven en nosotros para so he said, um, you know, I mean, all of the coaches, he said, uh, you know, Brady, uh, Brady helps him with his defense, Willie with his uh, hitting, uh, Ronaldo Ruiz you know, with, I mean, all of the details, but, you know, all of them, all of them contribute. They all help. And I know you love baseball, but when you're not playing baseball, what do you like to do? Cuando no estás jugando, ¿qué te gusta hacer? Cuando no estoy jugando, me gusta compartir con, con mis compañeros. Mi compañera de cuarto, eh, me gusta jugar Nintendo y, a ver, y ver películas en, en Netflix. 
Um, he says that he likes to spend time with his, uh, his roommates. He likes to spend time with his teammates. Um, sometimes they spend time, they watch movies, play Nintendo, uh, but spending time together. And what movies? ¿Qué películas? Ah, uh, favorito de, de las películas de acción, especialmente Tom Cruise. Uh, Tom Cruise movies. Oh, Tom Cruise. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> bueno, bueno. Well, uh, Jonathan, thank you so much for the time. Continued success. Gracias por el tiempo y éxito continuo. No, muchas gracias a usted por, por esta oportunidad. He said, thank you. Uh, many thanks to you for this opportunity. Thank you. And that's Jonathan Aranda. It is his first year on the 40-man and also first year in AAA Durham. And so far, so good. Aranda, 329 in 38 games with an 893 OPS. He's got four home runs and 25 RBIs playing first, second, and third base. Hey, step back in time with the Rays as they wear their throwback Devil Rays jerseys against the Yankees this coming Saturday. To view the full throwback jersey schedule and purchase tickets, go to RaysBaseball.com. Coming up, Dr. Jillian Hawkins on her journey to Rays baseball. Plus, during Mental Health Awareness Month, we continue to remember Jean Ramirez this week with team massage therapist Ray Allen. You are listening to This Week in Rays Baseball, and this is the Rays Baseball Network. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We continue on This Week in Race Baseball, and joining us right now is team massage therapist Ray Allen, now five years with the ball club. And Ray, during this Mental Health Awareness Month in May, obviously the Rays are doing a lot uh, to uh, let people know about Gene Ramirez and and remember him. What does it mean to you as as a a member of the clubhouse that they're doing what they're doing? Oh, it means everything. I mean, everything that I'm seeing from the ribbons on the players to – Gene Ramirez's t-shirts and you know the bullpen in Port Charlotte with his initials on there and the logo I mean it's been a tough tough off season coming into this season and looking around and not seeing him but it helps in a lot of ways being able to see him remembered in that way and I would guess it also helps that there is such a focus on mental health where there may have been before but now there's even a greater emphasis on it for sure for sure um Honestly, I didn't give mental health as much attention as I should have, you know. Um, So actually seeing the organization um, support it in such a way to bring a light to it, you know, is great, you know, to me. I really appreciate them doing that. Has it brought the group, you're in the, you're behind the scenes, so a lot of people don't see you on a daily basis. Uh, You're in the clubhouse. Has it brought people closer together, everything that's occurred and what they've had to go through over the past six months to a year? Oh, I believe so. Yeah. I mean, I've talked to a lot of the guys. A lot of the guys have come up and, and spoke to me, too. Uh, so it kind of brings a new level of camaraderie, you know, to the clubhouse, if that's a good word to use there. Um, a lot more awareness and attention to each other on a different level you know not just surface like hey how you doing it's more like hey how are you doing you know more to that 
um, yeah. Tell me what Gene meant to you because he seemed to be important in different ways to different people. Gene was like a little brother and a son. You know, I have a couple sons, but I don't have a brother. I just have a sister that I grew up with. So we had this relationship that was kind of fun because he would tell me, he's like, man, you remind me of my dad. And I'm like, you remind me of like a little brother of mine, you know? So it was very special. You know, um, every day when I come here, I think about him, you know, every day on the road, I think about him and I look for him. What made him a special person? You know, it's, it's kind of hard to explain what makes a person special. At least it is for me, because a lot of times it's not words. It's not, you know, their presence. Sometimes it's just, you know, their actions, you know, their energy, their vibe. And Gene was all of those things, you know. Tyler uh, Wall on a previous episode talked about how unselfish he was. Is that, does that stick out to you too? Oh, for sure. Um, you know, there was a, an off-season and actually going into the offseason where I didn't have um, a spring training roommate, you know, years prior I had kind of been on my own because I came into the, the club um, and I didn't know anybody. You know, I hadn't been in baseball. Uh, Gene came along after the other bullpen catcher left and we kind of hit it off, you know. And then I was telling him like, oh, you know, I need to find a place. And he was just like, man, I got a spot. You can come stay with me. And it was an afterthought, you know, from then on. Every year it was like, okay, this is what we're doing, you know. Right up until this last, you know, right up until this last um, spring training, you know, we had all our plans set and everything, you know. So, yeah, so he would, you know, take his time, you know, set everything up. And all we had to do was just, I say we because Manny was in there, you know, a year after that. But we would just kind of get in there, write a check, and Gene had everything going. Um on top of that, you know, Gene, I would remember that he would just walk up to me randomly and just give me a hug. And I almost felt like he knew I probably needed it. And it it, it caught me off guard sometimes. Not that I'm not, you know, um, a personal space kind of guy. I mean, for what I do, of course, I am that way. But coming from him, it was just the energy that you just can't duplicate. You know, so the hugs were genuine, you know, um, if – a conversation needed to be had, he would have it with you, you know. Um, conversations that he and I shared when it was just us, you know, in spring training, even last year, the years prior, you know, they sometimes would get pretty deep, but we were there for each other, you know, and that's something that I appreciate because it's rare to find that in people who really do care about you. Since you knew him probably more intimately than most as a, as a person, how much did you know about all the art that he did and what did it mean to you um, to see the way it was so accepted and appreciated by everyone in the clubhouse? Oh, I loved it. Um, I really did. And I, I still enjoy seeing like some of the shoes that players still have, you know, that he touched. Um, I remember there were times that he just send me a text or he would walk up and be like, Ray, I got to show you something, you know? Um, and even prior to, you know, his passing, um, he had sent me a text and we were going back and forth about shoes. And I'm just like, man, I got to get a shoe to you so you can hook it up for me, you know, or we would kind of bounce ideas off each other. Um, so yeah, the arts artsy side of it, you know, I, I really liked, 
uh, I didn't know that was there until, you know, he really started picking it up and I saw like how good he was at it too. Um, I also didn't know how well he could draw because I didn't see that. It was more about shoes and stuff like that, you know, for us. But yeah, I mean, pretty cool. Well, I, I so much appreciate you taking time to share with Ray's fans what he was about during this month and hopefully throughout the course of the season people continue to remember what he was about and thank you so much for your time oh no problem Neil thank you and that's Ray's team massage therapist Ray Allen the Ray's auction to benefit the crisis center of Tampa Bay has concluded however you can go to raysbaseball.com slash mental health to learn more about the organizational's uh, meaningful and with the organizations that are meaningful to the Rays and also Gene Ramirez's family. We turn our attention back to the field, and one of the unique stories this week was the praise that Brett Phillips offered to his hitting coaches as well as applied biomechanist Jillian Hawkins after Phillips hit a home run Monday and went deep in successive games. And Brett explained that process. I mean, the willingness came down to hitting 140 and striking out eight times in a row. You got to make an adjustment, right? Like what I thought felt like was going to help me continue to have success wasn't. And you have to get to a point in your career. And I think everyone, if something is not working, like what's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over again and expecting different results, like change something. And that's where I had to get to the point and they gave me the opportunity to come to them with that change, not them coming to me and being like, Philly, you got to change. So I'm forever grateful for that, that, hey, they let me do it my way and try and figure it out. And now that I've come to them, kind of just like on my knees, like, help me, um, right? They're, they're there. And they're like, all right, let's get to work. And it's, it's taken a village. It's taken Brady North. It's taken Dandeman. It's taken Chad Matola and Jillian and, and people um, outside just encouraging me. So, again, I know it's just two days of success, but it feels really good and it's really encouraging. We sat down together. Okay. Um, we took a, a video from 2014. We took a video from the Seattle okay. trip where I was striking out, and then we took a video from uh, Anaheim when I got the base hit off Shohei Otani. And we took those three clips and we slowed it down frame by frame and literally for about an hour. And we we saw, she's like, oh, this, you know, this isn't looking like that. And I, I can see it. Okay. And then we take that information, we pause it there, we go in the cage and we work off the tee, try and tweak something, find it with the hitting coaches. Oh, it doesn't work. All right, let's go back to the clip. So it's been a process of finding what I've been searching for, and I don't want to give all the secrets away, but um, there's been a lot, of, a lot of hours being put in to get to a certain point that I feel like we're, we're almost there. And getting almost there happened again with the assistance of Jillian Hawkins, who is a first-year applied biomechanist with the Tampa Bay Rays. How did she end up with the Rays, and what does she enjoy most about her new role? Well, let's find out. I started about a year ago, um, right at the end of minor league spring training, and I started as an intern in the performance science department. So I spent the first six months I was with the Rays in Port Charlotte, working at the spring training complex with the rookie uh, affiliate. I ended up here just from seeing the an ad for the internship and I love baseball and, and decided to give it a shot and here I am. So you got bit by the bug 
of baseball when in your childhood? Because as someone who is a, a biomechanist, obviously there are a lot of things in the world you could be doing. Yeah, so I've actually been a fan of baseball since I was three years old. I also was a lifelong softball player, played through high school and then in college as a club softball player and then actually as a grad student as well because I I couldn't give it up. So baseball and softball um, have always been a really huge part of my life and I have followed baseball very meticulously since I was a, a little kid. So where did you grow up and what team did you, what got you bit by the major league bug as a, as a kid? I grew up in New Jersey, um, South Jersey. So I grew up as a Phillies fan and just started following it as a kid. Uh, my, my dad is a big fan of baseball too. So that um, also helped to kind of reiterate the love of the game and, and follow it pretty intensely. So do you have any cool memories as a fan being in a ballpark as a kid? Well, when I was a kid, uh, Veterans Stadium was still where the Phillies played, so I just remember getting to go there a few times, and uh, I did my my PhD work in Philadelphia, so actually, as an adult, I got to attend a lot of Phillies games uh, pretty regularly, which was uh, an awesome addition to being in Philly. So as you went through school, did you dream of working in baseball? What were you? Where did you kind of start before you got your PhD? Short answer for that, no, I did not dream of working in baseball because at the time that I was going through school, performance science and biomechanics weren't really a part of the game yet. So I actually started out during my PhD work uh, working in exercise physiology, which isn't as prominent in baseball yet. And once I had switched to doing kind of a dual concentration, including biomechanics, and started looking for jobs, I realized that it was a reality to actually find full-time positions in baseball. And as soon as I saw that there were opportunities like that, I knew it was something I had to jump on to try. So what you pl- you've played the sport, but what's the hardest part in kind of translating what you do to help coaches and athletes perform? So I would say that the first thing that I try to do with the athletes is explain what my job is. So obviously the title is kind of dense just just in those two words. Uh, but basically what I do is look at their movements and find ways to help them perform more efficiently and more successfully, while also trying to make sure we're not increasing any risk of injury. So I usually will explain that to them to get started. But basically what I then do is go try to track their movements and, and look at how they move and how we can make them move better for what they're trying to do, whether it's swing a bat or throw a ball or pitch the ball or run, run the bases even. So do you split your time? Is it as much hitting as it is pitching? Or how do you make sure that you're helping as much as you can? So I do split my time. It's, it's been a little bit of a juggling act trying to figure out exactly where I need to be pregame specifically because I am here with the team through all the pregame stuff. So I try to um, balance spending time in the cage with the hitters and during BP with making sure that I come out and see the pitchers while they're uh, throwing their bullpens and things like that. And how much does having played sports at a high school level, at a club level in college, help you at least try and put it in terms where athletes and coaches can understand what you're seeing? I think that that's a, that was a huge benefit to have. Um, understanding the terminology in the game has really helped be able to apply how they move and why they move the ways that, 
that they want to to perform their best has been um, it, it really matters a lot to be able to have that understanding. And part of what um, my job is, is to kind of translate the scientific biomechanics terms into baseball terms and just get an understanding of bridging the gaps between the language that we use um, on, say, like the academic side or the science side versus what's used in everyday baseball language. So is there, how important is patience in this new role? Uh, actually, I wouldn't say it's it's tremendously important. The players and the coaches have been super open to having me around and um, having those conversations about biomechanics and how it can help. So that's been a huge help in just being able to bridge the gap between um, the science part of the, this and the baseball part. And I guess what I was saying is you know the game is that you can work on making a swing change or a delivery change and it doesn't happen with the snap of a finger. It It's muscle memory, it's progression, it's not going to happen the next day. Oh, absolutely. So I, that's more the player patience, I think, than, than my patience. But it is part of my job to remind them that this isn't going to change overnight and to keep repeating it and doing it in the cage more and more and more so that we do see, for example, those, those muscle memory swing changes um, after a little while. Earlier this week, Brett Phillips praised the hitting coaches and you for some of the stuff that you saw. How much of it is, without revealing too much, how much of it is video versus actual applied data that you're getting from either hitters or pitchers? Um, it definitely was some applied data. It was some video review, and, and a lot of that video review was something that he and I did together. I went through and showed him what I was seeing. He told me what he was seeing and feeling, and we basically worked together to figure out what it was that he needed to to get at and you know he and the coaches really worked on it and as you saw there was some production there which uh, I was really happy to see that you know he was able to finally put it into action and reap the rewards of his hard work on that. So even though this was something you never set out to do this has kind of been a dream job so to speak? Yeah absolutely I really can't imagine being anywhere else at this point because it's been so much fun just being able to work in baseball and apply, you know, what I've learned in all of my education to the game and, and just help the team win. I'm guessing your dad is pretty excited about what you're doing more than anyone else. Yep. You could, you could definitely say that. He, um, my, my mom jokingly told me that everyone he meets, whether he knows them or not, he tells them that I work for the Rays now. <laughs> Pretty cool stuff. That is Jillian Hawkins. We certainly thank her and all of our guests on our program today, including reliever J.P. Fireisen, Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times for joining us from Baltimore, prospect Jonathan Aranda, and also Ray's team massage therapist, Ray Allen. If you ever have something you want to hear on the show, all you have to do is tweet me, at Neil Solons. Hey, the MLB Ballpark app will complete your next visit to Tropicana Field. Buy and manage game tickets, unlock offers, access exclusive content, and much more. Download the MLB Ballpark app today. Next week, either a reliever or Manuel Margot, and much more for producer Derek DuBose. I'm Neil Solon. Stay tuned. The pregame show is next. It's the Rays looking for a series victory on this Sunday against the Orioles, and you're listening to the Rays Baseball Network. Thank you for listening to This Week in Rays Baseball. Breaking ball lifted in the air, way up there, in the right field and deep. Judge is going back towards the corner at the wall. Gone! And the Rays jump in front four to one. If you missed any of the show, catch it on archive at RaysBaseball.com slash radio. With first and second, the one-two pitch. Swing and a miss! He struck him out! Keep it right here. The Rays pregame show is next.